PFT Media. You are now listening to Cinema Crespediso. Hey, Crespo Diso listeners and Florida residents, time to go to StreamlineFlorida.com and see about getting a new home equity loan or refinancing your current loan. Guys, loan interest rates are at historically low levels. Take advantage today. Go to StreamlineFlorida.com to get the process started online or call them at 407-898-4477. You can even email the president, Brian Zymel himself, B-Zymel, B-Z-I-M-E-L at StreamlineFlorida.com and ask them about how they can help you get better rates, lower payments, pay off your loan quicker. What do you want to do? Streamline Florida can help you do it. They are A-plus rated at the Better Business Bureau. They are highly recommended by many people. They have so many great testimonials out there. Peter Von Taborski at Scotch Good Conversation and Dee Dee Von Taborski from Dinner and Good Conversation both used their services. Both super happy with Streamline Mortgage Solutions. Find out what they can do for you. Contact them today. Let them know Cinema Crespediso sent you. Gentlemen, welcome to episode 412 of Cinema Crespediso. In a world where podcasts don't suck, you unfortunately chose this one. Choose a Wait guy a minute. There's a world where podcasts don't suck? Yes. <laughs> and, you, and you still chose this one. How's it going? Welcome to Cinema <laughs> Crespediso. I, I want to know what world that's in. Um, I, I'd like to travel that dimension. Earth 4.2. So you can ignore those <laughs> podcasts as well? Yes. <laughs> but at least I know I'm ignoring quality. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's more of a uh, uh, more juge to that if you're like, I'm like, I'm ignoring something that I know is good. <laughs> and yeah, I know that'll enrich my life. I don't want it. Don't want it. None. Don't want it. No, thank you. In that universe, uh, t- Top Gear is absolutely terrible and you're still watching it. Oh. There you go. Everything's flip-flopped. <laughs> also, you're an Asian woman. Mm. Okay, the, living in Iceland. That's an interesting turn of events. And uh, and uh, so, how are you? Who, who are you? And why are you living in Iceland? And why are we still podcasting? Oh no, this, this, <laughs> I'm in that in that world. I'm I'm Spider Man, but it's more like Spider Ham. Okay, it's bad. Okay, so you're Peter Porker. I'm a, I'm a more of a Peter Porker kind of a figure, mm-hmm. uh, anthropomorphic. Animal man uh, that wants to do good, oh, so. but but really bumbles around, and everyone just tolerates until I cause too much destruction. In which case, I get slaughtered and served up for Thanksgiving feast. So America is more like Island Doctor Moreau. It has a bit of an Island of Doctor Moreau feel to it for sure, but also a little bit of a Wonderland. I guess I'm the... glad I live in Iceland. Oh, you know, <laughs> icy. It's cold. All ice. It lives up to its name. <laughs> in that it, universe, it's like uh, <laughs> it's like the Super Mario Brothers three world where it's you're sliding everywhere. Oof! I hate that world. That one sucks. Can't you jump and then you slide in? No, and you fall off the platform. Yeah, and, but then boop, 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 you come back. That's Iceland. 
Well, I mean, as long as you come back. <laughs> Guys, we have no time for this nonsense. We have too much to talk about, too much to dig into, and we are going to do it. Uh, starting with, did you watch that South Korean movie I sent you a link to? No, I did not. Let me tell you about this movie, Drew Cogman. Beast Clawing at Straws. Uh, it's available. All I know is the email that I got, the press email said... Streaming everywhere December 15th. Okay, so in two weeks. I don't know if that's PVOD. I don't know if they have a Hulu deal. I don't know what the hell that means. I mean, it might just show up on Amazon for like, you know, a couple dollars. Or it may just be, just me meaning it's available for rent for a couple dollars. But so I got a, I got a press screener link. And uh, Drew, you have until the 15th, I think, to be able to, to watch that. Okay. And uh, you know what? It might be worth checking out. I think it's pretty good. It's a. 2011 Japanese novel that's been adapted into a South Korean film. Okay. And then the author was like, oh, I like this. Uh, I like South Korean movies, so this is going to... I'm looking forward to seeing how this adaptation works out. Uh, so it is totally transposed to South Korea and all that shit. And it is a... How do you classify... I would call it just a straight up... Uh, I mean, it's definitely like... I can see how it's a book. How it's a book thriller. It's about a bag of money. Uh, How much money? Five hundred thousand digits. I mean, who who cares? A big old Dollars. bag of money, life changing money for a good amount of people, and there are like eight different people that are all tied into this bag of money somehow, and they're all one guy's like a failing restaurant owner, one person is a, um, a customs worker who owes money to a gangster, and all this shit, and uh, all these type of things, and how they all interweave for a couple of days. And uh, then it all comes together pretty satisfyingly. It definitely has the feel of a story that's been plotted out. You know, like it was a book. 100% it's a book. So how long until the American remake? Hmm, interesting. Yeah, it could be remade in... It depends on how popular it gets. It'll get remade in about four, three years. Sometimes they're quick with those. <laughs> and sometimes they're not. They're really not. Yes, I can see Soderbergh taking a crank at it. All iPhones. <laughs> For sure. Ocean's Asia. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a first-time filmmaker, the South Korean dude. It looks really good. Uh, I mean, it's well-paced. It's under two hours. I think it's like an hour 50, if I recall. And uh, it, go, it goes it goes by pretty quick. And I was, enjo- I was enjoying it. Very nice. I dug it. Beast Clawing at Straws. It's pretty pretty good South Korean flick. So, uh, I've been trying. I got I have from a hundo. Before the Thanksgiving weekend, I had like uh, 40 days to watch almost 20 movies. Mm-hmm. So I got to try it. Yeah, I got to crank them out, bro. Got to sort of crank them out. So fortunately, uh, Steve McQueen plopping five movies over, I think over four weeks. Okay. I think they put out two movies right away. Yeah, because I think you watched two of them, right? I watched two of them. Did you get a not, chance to check them out? Nope, not yet. Okay, so let me tell you about these things. First off, Stephen Queen made five movies that are about the West Indian black experience in the UK. Yeah, I, have, I have a feeling it's going to be real and rough. And I'm just not it, in the mood. It, it depends. <laughs> it, it depends. These movies are going to give you different things because they're telling different stories, real, I mean, like, uh, true life or not. And uh, right away from the first two movies, they're pretty different, right? The first one that 
is out there. And if you put them on Amazon, it says it's a series, mm-hmm. but it's a film anthology series. Yeah. So these are all films. And the first one's like two hours, a little over two hours long. It's called Mangrove. And it's about a restaurant called the Mangrove in uh, Notting Hill. You know that that uh, mm-hmm. Julia Roberts? Yeah. Uh, okay, so imagine back in the 60s when I was a bunch of black people living in there. Well, and yeah. the police were like, fuck this. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, was that probably still pretty current? That could still be current. I have I no mean, idea yeah. what life is like in Notting Hill. No. Okay. Shout out to our listeners in Berkshire. Let us know what's going up. I'm sure it is both racially and financially divided like much of America. I like much of everywhere, much of the world. Isn't that weird? No. <laughs> it's the way it's been since... Time? <laughs> well, since people decided on money and laws and things of that nature. Since people decided on money and laws. <laughs> Is that in the land of blood and honey? That's a, mini- <laughs> that's a ministry album. I mean, sometimes it doesn't apply. I mean, they're the hunter-gatherers that living in the fucking Amazon rainforest the same way since the dawn of man. That's, so That's true. Don- uh, uh, I saw that in the Stanley Kubrick movie. Bashed her head in with the bones. Well. That's true. Well, there's no bone bonehead bashing in, in, in Mangrove, but there is some baton bashing because, uh, okay, yeah, so this dude who he was, this dude was a criminal, right? Like he mm-hmm. had a club that were doing illegal games and shit, but at the start of the movie, he's like, I'm Mr. Turning the New Leaf. I'm just opening up a dope ass West Indian restaurant in a neighborhood that wants it. And it was very popular right away. Reservation only. The only way you can get in there. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, the local white cops are like watching in the cars. Like, oh, look at these boys, these blackies. Or, you know, should, super racist Should have gone in and gotten some food. That we, well, at one point, <laughs> he tries to go in again. Some, and the guy's like, this is a shakedown. I know what it is. Get out of here. Uh, they didn't want to play ball with these, uh, these racist pigs. And... Uh, the first hour of the movie is the cops harassing them, raiding the restaurant, even though they're doing nothing illegal, arresting them, making it so that now customers don't want to go there because, what, at the second now the cops are going to bust in and arrest everyone for no reason. Uh, so the restaurant owners and community people and a uh, local Black Panther Party representative played by Letitia Wright, who is uh, Shuri in Black Panther, okay. the, uh, the, yeah. the younger sister, uh they organize a demonstration. So they hit the streets, they demonstrate against the police, and of course the police box them in and it turns into a riot and uh, they arrest seven people. The second hour of this movie, Drew, becomes trial. the trial of the Mangrove <laughs> Seven. Like, it, it really was, a, yeah. a, it's like the exact, it's happening at the same time. Another group of citizens being put on trial by their government uh, in 1969, like right around the exact same time. And it's, uh, so the second half is a courtroom drama. But a British courtroom drama, so they got the funny wigs and whatnot. Yep. <laughs> and instead of saying, uh, and, and, and they do things just a little bit differently, just a little bit different. <laughs> instead of saying "all rise," the bailiff equivalent has to say something like uh, "the the 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 courts uh, must be upright" or some even longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All rise, two syllables, so easy. No, nope. no, the British, oh, so British. Man, the second hour is them defending their. Actually, the twist, not the twist, but the thing was for this trial for um, I think. Inciting riots and half, half some weird dumb British thing. The uh, the real problem was that the judge and the prosecutor and the cops were trying to paint it all as like oh just these are just normal citizens doing normal citizen things and then and then causing trouble and that's why we arrested them. And the defendants were all like, no, we're arrested because we're black. This is one hundred percent about race. And then the judge is like, I will have none of this black and white stuff. You know, he's trying yeah. to deny all that shit. So they have to force the courts to even recognize that that's a factor. It's an interesting way that it plays out, and I liked it. It was very good, Steve McQueen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think also because he's cranking out five movies, he shot this over the course of like a year. I think. I mean, he did it really fast. Uh, there's very little 
like flash mm-hmm. or or overt style. It's oh. just like uh, he's just telling the story and it's uh, well done. And he's you know, and this movie more I think than from our, from what I'm reading, this first movie more than the other four is going to be the most like accessible. Um, almost commercial of them. So we'll see how the others go. Because, so that's the first one. Mangrove, yeah, just on like a basic, I could definitely recommend it, right? Lover's Rock is a little more interesting. That's the second movie. And that one's much shorter. It's only like 80 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's much more of a mood piece. Okay. Set in 1981, uh, in like uh, uh, some just West Indian household in, in the UK somewhere. The, uh, the It starts early in the day, and these dudes are setting up for a party, setting up speakers, they're testing everything out, they're playing some uh, reggae. Lots of great music. The whole point of this movie is like just loving the music of the time, uh, the parties of the time. So it really is just like an extended uh, party hang- scene? It's a hangout movie. No. What if Richard Linklater made like a party movie, but set in you know this community instead of Austin in the eighties? No. Uh, so there's like a little bit of conflict when people had butt heads sometimes, but then that gets smoothed over. Everyone smoking joints. The DJ keeps changing up the music. When the movie was over, I went to Spotify. I looked up Lovers Rock. You were like playlist. <laughs> so I did. Here's a playlist of, of the DJ set. Here are all the songs. I'm like yes. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was really good. And it's much less narratively driven than Mangrove. It's much more about... It's an impressionistic piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you're following a handful of characters. Like This is like one couple that you are sort of following. And you get a little bit of them um, the next morning when he's trying to hook up with her. Uh, in his like in the auto shop he works at. And then the boss walks in. It's like, oh, it's, oh. It's like, oh, dude, what are you doing, man? <laughs> that, that's bad. Um but it's supposed to just hang out at this party with these people and the DJ. And, and then at the end, they're all just like rhyming super hard in this one song where they're all going crazy. And they just keep chanting Mercury sound over and over. And then they go to the DJ. They're like, spit it back, spit it back. He's like, wait, that That stereotypical yeah. noise. And they just do this whole song all over again. Everyone's freaking out. It's really, it's really Spin fun. it back, Chris. Spin it back. Spin it back. It was really, really enjoyable. I actually liked it quite a bit. So now this Friday, there will be a third one. And then two more to Fridays after that. One of them has John Boyega in it. So, and three of them played at the New York Film Festival this All year. Right. Which I wonder what's that? That must have been virtual. Anyway, so uh, those those movies are pretty good. And uh, let me just get all these other movies out of the way. All these. I only have two more. Keep going, Chris. Do, Keep do, going. Just be quick. Keep rocking. 1947. Black Narcissus. Uh, I've been wanting to watch this for a while. And now it's a FX series. Okay. So I was like, well, shit. Now I have some things to compare it to. I enjoy doing that. Let me watch this old movie. And, and then, then I'll see. watch the new series and, and see if it's any good. Yes. And, uh, man, it's an interesting movie. I can, and I can see why at the time people would be like, oh, shit. So it's 47 British drama, but it's an erotic British drama. Ooh. What? About nuns, huh? Ooh, sexy nuns. And uh, so it's these four nuns, four or five nuns who um, they get tasked with opening up a convent and school slash hospital in a, in a Himalayan province somewhere, a little Himalayan town. But one of the problems is that this palace that they're going to use to convert into their convent was a pleasure palace. Mm-hmm. So it has like erotic paintings yep, everywhere. all everywhere. There's like titties everywhere yeah. and shit. Well, I mean, shit. I mean, depending on when it was made and who it was made, if it was made by, you know, like it was people the, from India. Yeah, like, it was Indian. The, those motherfuckers Indian culture. did not shy away from just throwing straight up hardcore porn on Yeah, the no, walls. it was just uh, like the camera pans yeah. along like an orgy on the, yeah. on the wall and then a nun is standing there like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then how much sex will I have? None. A lot. <laughs> um, oh, 
Speaking of having, wanting to have sex, so not only is are they in a pleasure palace surrounded by sexual depictions, but the on behalf of the uh, like the emissary, the prince, whoever owns the place and is allowing all this to happen, his agent that runs the place is a very swarthy Englishman, mm-hmm. very tall, mm-hmm. wearing short shorts mm-hmm. the entire movie. Uh, actually, you're lucky he's even wearing a clothes shirt. This mm-hmm. guy is just like open shirt, thighs a blazing, <laughs> thighs are a blazing, tan thighs a blazing. And he is like three quarters naked this whole time. Mm-hmm. And the nuns are, have to ask him for shit, and he's just like, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. he's, he's, he knows and, what he's and doing. And they're drooling. Trying not to. One of them, though. So now, amongst the four nuns, one of them is like emotionally disturbed or whatever. I don't know what. I don't know what they're trying to depict in mm-hmm. this movie. It, it was a book too, a th- book in the thirties, and uh, she's the one who's like, "This this guy's gonna get it." <laughs> I denounce my vows. I'm and gonna all the- give it to him. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it's really good. It involves a cliff, a big cliff with the bell. Like, why are you putting this bell at the edge of the cliff? That's a bad idea. You'd find out why at the end. And it, and then it's just all the... There you go. That's three. All right, we're good. Yeah, we're good. And then there's... A, a, like, all the nuns given in different ways to their surroundings, um, both exotic and erotic yeah. ways. And it's really, really, really well made. Also... These guys, Powell Pressburger is a team. They're almost like the, I don't know if you want to say Coen Brothers or Russo Brothers maybe even of their day of, of British filmmaking. They were a filmmaking team and made movies, well-received movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one was pushing Technicolor as far as could go for 1947. Okay, so that was a big thing about it. People were like, whoa, look at how beautiful this movie is. And it does look great. And also extensive use of huge matte paintings to depict the Himalayas and the cliffside and all that nice. stuff. And some of it is obviously like, that's just, a, I'm just looking at a painting. They, all they did was light a painting. And then sometimes, especially when it's a composite element, like, wow, that looks really good. Like, mm. you can tell the perspective is like just a little hinky, but they're also depicting things that are so big and vast. It's mm-hmm. almost like it just adds to the, the weirdness. Of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really good. And having seen the movie, I can see how it could easily be stretched into a season. You know, a limited series, for yeah. sure. I can see getting more into really drawing out the lust and the longing and stuff like that. It could really make it a... Or maybe they just want to make a series about slutty nuns. <laughs> it's not that they're <laughs> slutty, just like Hagrid, but when you're so repressed, <laughs> it, it just explodes at you sometimes. Um, so that was really good. I watched it on HBO Max on the, under the Turner Classic Movies section. Um, much less of a classic, but still, I had to, I had to fulfill a movie gap here. Mm-hmm. Revenge of the Ninja. Okay. Okay, so there's these canon movies, well. right, from the early 80s, ninja movies, all starring the same guy, Sho Kasugi, and he did, I mean, so imaginably titled, there's Ninja. Ninja 3, Domination. Okay. Right? <laughs> what happened to Ninja 2? <laughs> that's, that's Revenge of the Ninja. Okay. That's the one, that's the one I hadn't seen. Uh, I did another one called Pray for Death, which is wild. I think that's the one he did with um, Franco Nero, the the original Django. I think that's the same one. And anyway, so Revenge of the Ninja is just a crazy, fun ninja movie that includes things like... Uh, one of my favorite effects in the movie is when like someone's chasing him, and he stops. like He comes through a door, and he runs up on our ninja hero and he does like a like he spits really fast like he just blows but you don't see anything come out of his mouth and then they just cut really fast to the guy's face covered in like metal spikes and, oh. his blood, and he's like ah, like just looking right at the so, camera like, ah. so he just spits spikes yes yeah, so like 
20 spikes out of his mouth. Like, the size of jumping jacks. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like, ah! He's got a face full of spikes. Like, yeah. And you're like, whoa! Movies full of ridiculous so, shit like that. So I guess if he was a superhero, you'd like Spike Mouth or something? You would be something like that, yeah. Well, he's a superhero. He's Ninja Man. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> he's Shokasugi. <laughs> and uh, there's stuff like, it's a type of movie where they'll take a sword and, you know, they'll hit a guy across the chest and then I'll just like leave a red line. Like, yes. Oh, okay, I see what's going yeah, on. Yeah. He's dead. We get it. Every now and then you get like a hand being chopped off and stuff mm. though too. So it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a ridiculous movie i enjoyed it i was glad to fill a gap there it's from 1983 um did you watch any movies before uh, we get into tv shows and stuff yes i watched uh what did i watch what did I you watch here. oh yeah a bunch of documentaries it looks like what'd you watch movie wise all right oh i watched on amazon prime banksy and the rise of outlaw art how, on amazon prime how recent is this from 2020 Ooh, okay uh and it basically it it goes through it's basically a short history of graffiti, mm-hmm. street art, mm-hmm. and that kind of subculture. Sure. Uh, all focused around Banksy because it's a British production. So it's kind of that viewpoint. And, from he, it and he's like easily the most popular. Well, these days, yeah. Yeah. For a while now, yeah. right? At least uh-huh. since that documentary. His documentary. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. It was good. How long is it? Uh, it was 113 minutes. Oh, pretty so, long. Pretty about beefy. two hours. Yeah. But, yeah. but it was a good documentary. Like I said, it was... What's the style of it? Talking heads type of thing? Yes and no. A lot of interviews? Uh, or? But, but it's with... The interviews are with important people, mm. and then it shows... I mean, it's a lot of composite work, too, where people talking, and mm. then it shows, you know... Actually, showing to work. Yeah. yeah. When you're making something about art, yeah, I guess it's easier to have visuals. Exactly. They can work with and play mm. with and stuff. All right, cool. It was yeah. worth watching. On Amazon. Yes. All right. Also on Amazon, yeah, uh, it's four sixty-minute episodes. Uh, it's a TV series from 2013 called First Footprints: Australia's Ancient Past Brought to Life." Okay, and it's basically the the, the history of humans on the continent of Africa for the last fifty—I mean, on the continent of Australia, of, of Australia for the last fifty thousand years. Did it get into uh, you know who? Australian Santa doesn't exist. Australian Santa, what are you talking about, mate? That's right. You keep it up. You you, you keep it up. That's <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> you keep telling the government that they won't come from our taxes, uh-huh. will they now? Exactly. Yeah. To the queen. Ru- queen, queen. Queen my ass. So here, here's my question. Is it Rudolph the Red-Nosed Dingo or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Kangaroo? Oh, Drew Sicagwin. Don't you know it's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Jackalope? He's a mythical beast. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. But it's really, it's, it's super interesting. I mean, it's just, uh, you know. How far back does it go? We're talking fifty thousand years. Fifty thousand years. Because is that the oldest? Like no. For the most. Well, the reason why is because they, like, they found cave paintings in Australia that go back for forty six thousand years. How are those French ones? Thirty thousand. Something like that. Yeah. The ones that and, we saw the think, Erzog documentary. And they think the French ones were made by Neanderthals. These were made by actual modern human beings. The so. next step, the next evolutionary, or well, is it, or is it a, another branch? It's a, it's a side step. It's a side type step. thing. It's a different. Yeah. Off, okay, I I mean no science. Yeah. Sounds interesting, but right? it was super interesting, especially if you're into you know the history of man, anthropology, and different cultures that you know nothing about. Uh, since it's Australian based, uh, does it then get into how it uh, civilization spread out from Australia, or is it just like? Australia specific here's the development well, of this part so of the world over 50,000 years this is how people got to Australia yeah this is the ancient continent of Australia because it, yeah. it goes through 50,000 years there were t- 
there was at least one ice age in that in that time frame. Okay. Um. So and sea levels have risen and lowered a few times mm-hmm. in, in that fifty thousand years. Mm-hmm. Uh. So, but it, it shows the, the migration, how they got there, where they moved, all the shit that happened, and it pretty much ends with uh, the white people showing up. Because in all reality, that was only so, a, a few hundred years. These people So it's a tragedy. Lived. It's a tragedy is what you're saying. The, the Aboriginal <laughs> culture pretty much hasn't changed for 50,000 years. Yeah, they were unmolested over there on that rock mm-hmm. all the way down there to the bottom of the world mm-hmm. until Britain was like, hey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we we got to get rid of all yeah. these. Oh, we got to get rid of all these uh, uh, unsavory types. So uh, it was super interesting. They tell, right. It tells them about their history, their culture, you know, cave paintings, this, that, the and other. That, and that's also Amazon. Yes, but you said that's a Prime. series. Though. It's a series. It's a, it's a four 60-minute episodes. Is it like BBC made or something uh, like that? Some, probably the Australian equivalent. Australia one. Exactly. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. All right. That was super interesting. Also on uh, HBO Max. Yeah. The Mystery of D.B. Cooper. Man, they're going to milk this guy's story like... Well, here's the thing. So now there's... So this is a... a, It's it's an update? It's a British production. Okay. uh, And it's kind of like the last update. It shows four credible circumstantial cases for who could be D.B. Cooper. And seeing how the case is officially closed, we'll never actually know who he is. Yeah, it's like Zodiac. Yeah. At this point, it's all conjecture. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, is it satisfying though? That's my problem with stuff like that. Now you're, you're it's fine. You're gonna line all the info for me, and then at the end, just like the rest of the world, yeah. I, I'm getting no closure. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So it's fine for what it is. It, it, well, because you you get four circumstantial cases, but basically it could be any of those four people. It is one. <laughs> it's one of the four. Um, uh, owner of '90s New York AM talk news radio station, Jimmy James. Oh, that's a shame. Jam. That's a shame because that was a plot line in yeah, news radio. It was. <laughs> Turns out he was DB Cooper. Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's an, it's an hour and a half. It's uh, it's a new updated DB Cooper documentary. All right. So it's very modern. Yeah. Very flashy. Sure. Very that's, fun to watch. Documentaries over the last few years have gotten better Way at better. being more entertaining for mm-hmm. sure. More entertaining, better at delivering information. But I think overall they've also gotten worse at like parsing that information <laughs> depending yes of actually giving us good stuff mm-hmm. um well that's cool though. all right that mystery of db cooper also uh, on amazon prime we've got uh oh yeah dinotasia oh yes okay we talk about this off mic real quick so the, because of the, the, uh, this, the voiceover this is a strange uh, 83 minutes. It's 83 minutes long from 2012. Okay. Uh, it's mostly CG dinosaurs. Okay. So once you get over the initial shock of it going back to 2012 CG, sure. then you get used to it. Basically. Probably not even the best 2012 CG either. It's all right. Yeah. Um, but it's basically just a bunch of little vignettes mm-hmm. um, about dinosaur life. Mm-hmm. Like, think, uh, I mean, some of them are almost like uh, cartoon style. Sure. Okay. Because, you know, dinosaurs don't talk. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of them, uh, dinosaur eats hallucinogenic mushrooms and trips nuts. <laughs> so that's hilarious. Awesome. And it's all narrated by Werner Herzog. <laughs> that's fantastic. So w- w- with such memorable quotes as, <laughs> time is more than a river. <laughs> it is a fathomless ocean yes. that separates us from what was. From what was. It and, separates us from what was. And also, coincidence has no soul, but can show its own type of mercy. 
<laughs> can show its own type of messy. And then something, you know, something awful happens on screen while he says it. Yeah, like something's being eaten. Exactly. This <laughs> is messy. Because no, life actually, is pain. I'm pretty sure that was part of the, because the end was three vignettes that were like a couple years apart. Mm-hmm. And always it's like, happy go lucky something's going on in this world and then it pans back and it says 13 years to impact oh. <laughs> and the asteroid's on its way so it's like ah oh, so none of this fucking matters whatsoever that, that is true and it's so funny when, so. You, when you know it's coming when you know the bullet is coming do you just look at the bullet <laughs> the bullet is now coming for me slowly and I wonder do I finish making this ham sandwich and do I eat it or do I just cry at the unfathomness of my inevitability yeah, it was fantastic. So if you're into dinosaurs, uh, weird little mockumentary. It's not really a documentary because it's... But it's a little cheeky, though, yeah, it sounds like. but it's a little cheeky, yeah. and it's all narrated by Werner Herzog, so it's fantastic. <laughs> that's, that's cool. <laughs> and I like that it's short. Yes, 83 minutes. Totally worth watching. I have to watch Especially this if you love Herzog. And this is on Prime? Prime? Amazon Prime. Yes. And last but certainly not least, on Amazon Prime again, another documentary from 2020. Lovecraft, colon, Fear of the Unknown. Okay. And it's basically a 90-minute biography on H.P. Lovecraft about, about his life, his writing, mm-hmm. this, that, the other. Uh, it's got interviews with John Carpenter, Guillermo del Toro, and Neil Gaiman, among others. Cool. That's cool. A lot of cool... Um, are there, like, uh, paintings not and really. pictures and I stuff? Mean, They're not, like, trying to show you his, uh, his old creatures, people's uh, depictions they, of his old creatures? Uh, yes, but... I didn't think any of them were very good per se. Um, But uh, it just you know talks more about him and where he came from and how his work worked and all this that the other and it was super super interesting. Was he especially when Guillermo 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 del Toro and Neil Gaiman talked about him because not only are they amazing creatives in their own right, but Mm -hmm. they're also super fucking smart people. Sure, like Guillermo del Toro is basically just like. The super nerdy horror film professor, yeah. that you kind of wish was like your best friend. Yeah, he know. Yeah, that <laughs> you want to go to his house and, yeah. and walk and just around. Listen, and I, just, all stuff. I just want to go listen to him talk. Yeah, that's all I want to do. I like, just want to listen to him talk. Just, just just point at props and tell me stories. <laughs> yeah, please, all the things you know, all your accumulated knowledge. Can we can we put this guy in the computer somehow? <laughs> he's got it. You turn into a well valuable resource on the level of like a Scorsese type. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. Did they talk about how? He like his temperature ran a little cold. All of it. They talk about everything. That's that was part of his fascination with like fish people because he himself was like ran at like ninety seven degrees or ninety six degrees or something like that. Uh, wasn't he asexual? I think. Well, or not claimed real, to be asexual. He wasn't necessarily asexual. Well, what was, what was it's it's just that he was literally like shied away as a child. Yeah. He just he didn't like he was probably autistic because he was way smart. Okay. Super smart. Yeah. Um, but probably autistic and he just he lacked most social graces. Mm. He was just he was kept away from people at such a young age for so long that it really hindered his like it wasn't until like he a few years before his death that he actually like became a human being. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. So how old was he? Died pretty young, right? Yeah, he, like, I think only in his like fifties. Yeah. So like by his mid, by his mid forties, like he was starting to go out and talk to people and do stuff and get really good at his craft and visit other places. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because for the longest time, he was literally just like stuck in a house in Providence, and he was totally okay with it. No, well, I mean if he's okay with so, it, though, just sitting around imagining fish people yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. the the 
the, the Nec- Necronomicon. He's the one who came up with Necronomicon. All that shit. Good lord. So it's yeah, so so, uh, so influential in horror literature and culture and stuff like that. The things that he's come up with, pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, hell, Lovecraft Country. You just had so that. it was. Yeah, it was fun. All right, good good information. All right, bunch of documentaries. Yes. Okay, very cool. Uh, TV wise, you watched that Mando. Mando. Grogu. <laughs> Gro- Grogu. 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 Is that? I guess. I Pretty guess, sure. I guess. Yep. I, guess I mean, yeah, it was I fantastic. Guess it's Grogu. We got we, we got some fucking Jedi. We got some Grogu. Man, we, we, we got some back history. Her, I can't say her name ever right. Ahsoka. Uh, Ahoska. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't care what her name is. Ashoka. It was Takano. It, it was a lot of fun watching somebody else tell uh, a Yoda race person, "I sense much fear in you." Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then, I mean, the whole episode was a fucking. Samurai jerk off. It was great. It was so well done. I mean, and I also felt like it was somehow set in uh, like the Mad Max wasteland. <laughs> yes, but the Mad Max wasteland of feudal Japan. Like there, yeah. like as soon as she gets inside and it shows the back, like you see all the hanging lanterns and yeah. LED lights. But it's still fucking hanging lanterns. They had the big thing in the back. It was it, it, watching it. I was just like. Thank God they're wrapping off the good, the best stuff. I mean, they're just they're taking all the best part of these fun samurai films, and they just are taking, jamming it all together. They are taking the best stuff. I thought I thought all of it was great. I uh-huh. loved seeing Michael Bean in there, uh-huh. uh, who got a couple of really good lines. Uh, managed to make that little itty bitty character action is something worth watching. And Rosario Dawson was really cool, but I guess that's it for her, right? I mean, it, I think the way it felt like a one off. Yeah, it right. did. Same with the. Um, but I'm okay with that. For the week before, what's yeah. her name? Bo I, Bo Bo yeah. Bo Katana. Yeah, I Bo just, Katana. I I, I just uh, I really enjoy whenever there's a Jedi in the story, it just goes samurai. Yeah, <laughs> has to double sword samurai. Jesus, those things are brutal. And the old like you go find this temple and put him on the stone. And another Jedi reach out to him, maybe it. like what? Another <laughs> Jedi? What's going on here? I immediately started to be like, who can this other person be? What's the timeline? Trying to remember what the timeline is. Wait, so this is after Return of the Jedi. Who's out there? Could be anybody. Uh, Anakin's dead. Could be a Force ghost. Could be Obi-Wan. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Obi-Wan's dead. Obi-Wan's dead. Ray, Ray's a baby. Uh, Ben's a baby. It could be Luke. Could be Luke. Luke, Luke out there in exile. Uh-huh. Could, could he? Or has he cut himself off from the Force? Well, I mean... According to the last no one can three ever find he has, him. yeah, yeah, but if he, I mean, he can kind of, he can also reach out. He can also reach out. I mean, that would be kind of, that would be at least a decent full circle, finally, for Luke's character arc, where he gets trained by Yoda and then trains. Yeah, gets a trained Yoda, the Yoda-like uh-huh. Grogu. That would uh-huh. make a lot of sense. Uh, I was gonna say Leia's out there too, but. Yeah. Luke makes more sense. Uh, well, especially because Luke is so worried about fear, et cetera, et cetera. Fear and this, that, the other. And apparently this little dude have, has much fear in him. Much fear. <laughs> well, because he loves, if he loves so much, it means he also has fear. Mm-hmm. The And this is before, obviously, then Ben is more grown up and he goes through that whole uh, ordeal. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe this before he, did he exile himself after that point? I don't know. Maybe Luke is still out there. Maybe Luke is out there. Maybe we'll get a puppet Luke voice. <laughs> That'd be fun. He's like, I'm too old. <laughs> I look like shit. I told you, no more Luke Skywalker. No more. <laughs> I'm finally fucking dead. But no, no. no. Blue Ghost. 
Yeah. Right? Didn't he, didn't he blue ghost? He blue ghosted in the I mean, rise. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it took him how many decades to finally kill Harrison Ford in that fucking movie? He's like, yeah, please. <laughs> how, how was supposed to die in get, the first movie? Get my son to stab <laughs> me in this one in the gut. Um. Yeah, man. Mandalorian was really good. So, yeah, man, that was awesome. Fargo? Fargo was great. Fucking Fargo. Fucking Gaetano. Big old dummy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I don't see... I, I, every time something like this happens, I feel like an idiot where... Uh, like someone has a scene or like oh everything's great they're hugging or kissing and yeah. I'm like I should know someone's about to die yeah someone about to die this has happened to me twice now like three weeks where I'm yeah. watching something and like oh look, I'm so happy these characters and are finally <laughs> next scene someone's dead <laughs> like god damn it, I'm not I should see these things coming uh, but yeah that happened it was pretty funny <laughs> it was hilarious that happened it was funny and it was a very good episode yeah yeah, I enjoyed it. And I think there's only one left. I think you're doing 11 episodes okay. this season. Is that possible? It's a weird number. It's fine. But it stands out to me for some reason. Uh, but Fargo, anyway, is wrapping up. And I definitely am enjoying... Start a little slow. Yeah, things are coming together nicely. I'm yeah. enjoying this more than I did the Ewan McGregor twin season. Okay. You know, that was still fun. But by, by the end of the season, I was like, I don't care about it. No. I can barely even remember what happened in that season. I can't, I can't, not, not can I. Yeah, but the second season, I remember like the UFO and, yeah. like, and that crazy Indian mm-hmm. dude, the native guy who's uh, popped up out of nowhere in the last few years. Yeah. Uh, that guy who was great. in everything for like a year and a half. Yes. At least everything I was watching. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> it's this guy again. He's so good. Um, and obviously, the first season is the best season. Man. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, but yeah, Fargo. That was fun. I was enjoying that. I watched that Fresh Prince reunion special, most of it, on I have, HBO. I have not yet. Yeah, I have not yet. It's okay. It's fine. It's obviously for fans, you know, if you're... Fans of the show, yeah. Fans of the show. It's, it's produced pretty well. Clearly, something that was like Will Smith's idea, because a couple times he's like, when I wanted to do this, I want to do the special, so he was kind of hammering home, like, yeah. this is my baby. Well, it was your show, yeah, it was so... Show. Yeah. And there's uh, one moment... Had made me laugh in a way that they did not intend, which is when uh, they inevitably, inevitably, that's the second time I stumbled on that today, inevitably they get to the section of the program where they have to talk about James Avery, Uncle Phil, and how he's passed away and all that. So Phil, You got to fill banks like Phil Banks, you bro. You got to fill banks, son. And he uh, was like the artistic center of yeah. them and all this stuff. Uh, he was like a, a trained actor, loved jazz music. So they were talking very lovingly about him. And then they showed, so they had them on a recreated set, sitting on the couch. But then when they spin the camera around the other way, it shows that they're actually looking at a big ass screen that they set up so that they can show them the montages and things that mm. we get to see yeah. at home. Um, so they put together this whole Uncle Phil montage. And then it's like they do it so well that at the end of the, you put in some piano music and it's touching. And then they cut to who's on the couch. It's uh, New Viv at this point. New Viv, Carl, Will, uh, 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 Hillary. I'm using the character names. Uh, Jazz is there. And uh, what's her name? The the younger one, Tatiana Lee. Anyway. And uh, oh, and Jeffrey Butler. Because it's important that he's in this. It's, sure. it's important he's <laughs> sitting there just for this moment. So they're all there. They're watching. Montage ends. They cut to I think the first people that cut to were Jazz and Tatiana Ali, and they are just weeping. Yeah. They're so sad. They cut everyone else. They're all crying, and then uh, no one says anything. And the camera's just on them, and they're all just saying they're like mourning this uh, this dead guy. And then uh, for some reason, 
fucking Jeffrey Butler decides yeah. to be the one to of speak course. up. And he has he, to be. <laughs> so so he, he, he smiles weakly and he says something like, um, well, it's give it up for James. Uh, yes. <laughs> and he starts clapping and then the, the rest of them go eh, like that. And, and then, and then Drew, this is the part that made me laugh, when after that was done, then they all just went right back to sad. No. Like it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. His he little, tried. His little ploy didn't work and they just went back to like looking down very depressed and no one was saying anything and then I was just laughing at how they sabotaged their own special 40 minutes into it. Now they're all they're sad. Yep. It's sad to watch. Yep. <laughs> and they left it all in there. I was like, this is a stone cold bummer. <laughs> I'm getting up. I'm getting a drink. <laughs> was, there you go. It was very funny. I mean, oh God. Maybe that was I was laughing just so I wouldn't uh, cry, so cry alone mm-hmm. in my room mm-hmm. in my, by yourself by myself naked on the on the shag carpet. Uh, it was alright. It was fine. Fresh Prince, and then uh, the part I was looking forward to the most was his awkward sit down with old Aunt Viv and yeah. talk about the shit that yeah. went down there, and it was awkward. I'm sure. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it was good TV. <laughs> that was some good TV. Um, okay, so I'm, you know what, Drew. It's Thanksgiving weekend, three-day weekend. Uh, my show schedule for recording is a little lighter than normal this week, and also, you know, no work because of the holiday. So I managed to finish reading the book, and then I read a whole ass other book. Okay, I finished my TV first. You saw get to your books. Okay, great yeah, idea. I, I finished Animaniacs seasons uh, episodes I, eight through thirteen. I'm on. I just watched episode six, the one that ended with the minute long. Um, the security cam footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, where, where it's completely silent. What the fuck? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was pretty good. I was staring at it like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is amazing. This is yeah, so man, good. they went there. I they watched, did it. I watched that say it turns to a, a, a vampire hunting yeah. bit. I, like, I did not see that coming. You never do with Animaniacs, uh, Animaniacs, yeah, yeah. It, That's it's, great. It's good. You hear about the weird... We'll talk about it in a second. Half. Okay. There's a weird Animaniacs controversy. It's dumb. Okay. It's really dumb. We'll talk about it in a second. Half. And then his Dark Materials Season 2, Episode 2. All right, all right. How are we feeling with this one so oh, far? Oh, I, I mean, I, I want to know if this was going into production at the same time as Devs was, or if Devs... We're getting real Devsy vibes here. Interesting. Well, I mean, this is based on a Philip Roth book series, so that came first. Yeah. And Philip Roth English, Alex Garland English, obviously a very well-read man. Can't put it past him to be ripping people off. Yeah, we're getting very... We're getting very... We're getting Devsy. Interesting. It's in a, in a strange little way. Yeah. yeah. All right. Other worlds. Well, it's about the um, the in between worlds, right? Those lines, right? The world in between worlds. Oh, is, just, just right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that from the first season. And dust and all that shit. Yes, and dust. Then we start. So you get the lines. And they're made out of dust. Mm-hmm. And then but she's then, got the lithiometer. Can do weird stuff. So now, now instead of just line, like here. Now we have lines, mm-hmm. and then she gets in the room, and now we have pictures. <laughs> like, straight-up dev style. All where right. Everything's kind of coming you, together. You can actually and, make out what's going on. Dude, it's weird. Is, is that Jesus Christ? It's weird. All right. Well, I like weird. Strange. I'm going to have to go. But I like it. I can't remember where I left off on. I'm just going to have to read the Wikipedia of season one. And you can just... just watch the... Oh, the old recap thing. Yeah. yeah. The recap. They, they still do that. Every time I start a, se- a, a season and they have that recap, I'm always like... Why don't I just wait for a series to finish and then just watch all the recaps <laughs> and then the last episode to save all this time? <laughs> I mean, what, you could. what do I need all this filler for? All this crap? Uh, that's a good idea. I'll just watch a recap and jump into season two. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. His Dark Materials. Okay. That's it. That's it. So it's Animaniacs yes. and his Dark Materials. I'll, yeah, I watch a little Animaniacs too, for sure. Um, okay. Two books. Extremely different. 
I could recommend them both for different reasons. Book number one, Women Talking. It's by Miriam Toews, T-O-E-W-S. Very short. It's like 200 pages, and I had already read the first half like three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So I finally had a chance to sit down for like an hour and a half and finish it. Um, Takes place based on real events. Uh, takes place over the course of essentially 24 hours and it's in a Mennonite um, community mm-hmm. I think in Germany maybe okay. that's not too clear but say not Sarasota no not Sarasota well, it's right there <laughs> Could it's be. so close they don't mention the beach nah. um, they yeah I think it's in Germany uh, but it's recent it's like 2000 whatever it's mm-hmm. like a couple years mm-hmm. ago it's when this is set and they um, the women are meeting in a hayloft and the book is like written by a guy who's taking the minutes of the meeting because he's the only one who can read and write the women are illiterate and they don't speak the language of the country. They don't have a map of the world outside. They know nothing about the world outside this commune. And now they're getting together to decide, do we leave this commune or do we stay? Because um, for several years, men in the community have been drugging and raping the women and uh, and the young ones, both of all ages, uh, in the middle of the night. And finally, they have been caught. Some of them have been arrested. So the men of the community are gone. They're on, it takes them seven hours to get to the town where the men are being, that arrests are being held. So they're trying to raise money for their bail. So while they're out doing that, the women that are left back are like, what do we do? Do we stay or do we go? And the whole book, all 200, most of 200 pages, them debating, going over their options, um, arguing amongst each other. You learn about them, you Mm -hmm. know, and the community and all that as they go through it. And it's really, really well written. It's really good. And I highly, highly recommend it. Word. It's, it's very good. And it's also, it sounds like, man, this is a tough uh, subject matter. But it's, uh, it doesn't like rub your nose or anything. It's not hard to read in that way. And when the book is over, it's kind of, it's got a, for sure, like a hopeful type of ending too. Mm-hmm. Like it's got an ending that I can, I don't have to worry about giving it to someone and read this and then they're like, man, why'd you bum me out with that shit, mm-hmm. bro? It's not that type of thing at all. Okay. Women Talking. By Miriam Toes. Very good. Uh, this other book by Vern. You know the name Vern. Mm-hmm. The guy who wrote Sigology. He's an online film critic. And I feel like publishing a book under his single, like his, his nom de plume name, just Vern, that's like, that's going to be hurting, hurting his sales. So be it. It's going to be tough for people to take that name seriously, but it's also his brand and what he's been building. Yeah. So he published a book called Worm on a Hook. And it's a action horror hybrid okay. that mashes up. Uh, like Drew, you you'll be able to, especially after doing psychology, you you'd see all the influences. <laughs> like, uh, like, all right, what's in it? It's um, it's a group of, it's it's a it's a slasher story in that it's a group of I guess twenty somethings who rent a cabin on an island. Uh, like in the Pacific Northwest somewhere for a beer. It's a beer festival. Memorial Day weekend Zelda's beer festival. It's already going to go so bad. Right, exactly. It's <laughs> a beer festival. And there's uh, the story of the local killer, John Stoneback. Stoneback the killer. Yeah. With the hook hand and the yep. mask and all this shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's out there somewhere undead. Uh, and people are like, ah, oh, we don't believe that old urban legend. So the book is obviously about Stoneback going around killing motherfuckers. And like the one person on the island who's prepared for it and trying to stop him. And uh, another person who's trying to stop him and fails horribly. And uh, this book is violent as fuck to read. <laughs> yeah, it's slasher. Yeah, but it's like it's different when you're watching yeah. uh, something violent, and then when you're reading, reading it, read yeah. the descriptions of like 
mm-hmm. things breaking Viscera. and tearing. Oh <laughs> wow, it gets really it gets really into it. And Vern himself, it's like the plot points are all there. It's uh, it's a page turner. This thing is like three hundred and sixty pages, but it's also look at like look at the pages. Yeah, like look how I was about to say, yeah, look how uh, like the the chapters are super mm-hmm. short. The font's kind of big. Yeah, so like I read that thing over maybe four hours. I mean, it, over the course it, of two days, it looks like uh. You know, a plain ride book for you. Yes, it's a plain <laughs> ride. It's a beach read. Uh, and you know what? Also, the, he does a funny thing where it reads like a like a movie. Like mm-hmm. he, it, it, it reads like he wants this to be um, some adapted. Yeah. So wants someone to make it. So there's like Wednesday night. Like mm-hmm. it, has, <laughs> it has title pages. So it says Wednesday night. You read one chapter where dudes get murdered gruesomely and then it goes to uh, and then you turn the page and then it's like title card like the movie title yep. card mm-hmm. but it's a book title card yeah. uh, and then it starts and it's, it's fun it's actually very very enjoyable Worm on a Hook and it was cheap too I got it online for like 13 bucks Robert Rodriguez is 14 bucks yes <laughs> yes this, yes, this so could be a Robert Rodriguez movie uh, all the tropes are in there there's like the how badass is he mm-hmm. all that stuff <laughs> The overprepare, the the tunnels, the uh, oh man, it was fun. Also, then he throws in a holy mountain reference. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> yeah. A lot of if you know if you've been following his like online career, you can see all his very obvious like I gotta throw this in, I gotta mm-hmm. throw that in. Obligatory Bruce Willis reference at of one course. point. It's very funny, uh, but I really really liked it, and it's. Uh, it's not like also as I was reading, it, I had to remind myself that it, it it's it the, the best part about it is the entertainment value and in, in the plotting and the way as opposed to like a lot of books I read, it's about like how it's written and the the poetry of the words and all that. Like I, I wouldn't say the dialogue in this thing is all that great or anything, you know, but it's still it's, it's pulp. It's 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 some, <laughs> it's some damn good pulp, man. I thought it was some damn good pulp. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so yeah, read a couple books, and I think that's it. I think my list is over. Is your list over? Yep, my list is over. All right, we need to take a break, and then we're gonna be back with a bunch of news stories for the second half of the show. So you guys sit tight, refill your beverages, repack those bongs, and uh, come on back now. Here. today my mother shocked me what you said she listens she said no <laughs> i saw her and she was like sad news about darth vader huh and i was like oh what what she was like the, the, the guy who played darth, the the first darth vader the original i was like what? it's like james o jones is dead <laughs> no not, not the voice of no the guy who was in the suit well and some this guy who's in the suit some of the time dave prowess the original man in suit because uh, during who thought his voice was going to be used during the uh, during Oops. the fight scenes, sorry, uh, sorry, it was uh, it was some other guy, some other guy who's Stunt, uh, stuntman, some legendary sword fighter who like trained who who was trained like everybody on everything that has anything to do with sword play in Hollywood. Sure, well, but even for Vader, though, he was just standing there like this, holding. <laughs> um, 
Oh, she's like, no, the other guy. I was like, oh, Dave Prowess? I was like, who cares? I was like, thank God. I thought you'd tell me James Earl Jones. You're about to ruin my day. Tell me James Earl Jones died. The death of Mufasa. Yeah. Mufasa dead again? <laughs> I can't take him dying a third time. Saw in cartoons. Saw in live action. Uh, yeah, David Prowess died. I was like, I ain't shit. Don't care. Cockney Vader. He's like, you will tell me the plans with the Death Star at once. I'm sure, I'm sure there are plenty of nerds that are shitting a tear today. I will not be one of them. Yeah, no thanks, bro. We got we got Baby Yoda to keep our spirits uplifted. I know it's Gorgon or whatever his name is. Grogu. But he's Baby Yoda to me. Yeah. At least for the rest of this season. Gotta give me some time to process. Uh, you can email us, cinemacrespediso at gmail.com, and we'll read it on the show. If you don't email us, we won't read it on the show. That's how it works. Uh, we also have a Facebook group that you can join, but you should really just delete your Facebook account. It's bad. It's bad, it's bad. It's awful. It's terrible. Um, follow us on Instagram, Cinema Crespity. So also owned by Facebook, but far less radicalizing. So <laughs> <laughs> just mostly pictures. It's In- fine. Influencers. Yeah, more yeah, dumb influencers, but they're going to TikTok anyway. So are they? Instagram is soon going to be like Facebook. It's just going to be all the old people. Cool. Old meaning us and above. That means I can finally delete it. Oh yeah. I mean, if you don't want to work anymore, <laughs> sure. yeah, you got it. You got you're lurking on TikTok now. Uh, I just won't. I just won't lurk. Just won't. <laughs> I'm gonna be lurk free, baby. Finally. And Wait so long. There's a Twitter at Crespodiso, and of course Patreon.com/slash Crespodiso, where we are starting sequel December. That's right. For the month of December, we are watching sequels to movies that we haven't done episodes on the originals of. Sound confusing? Don't worry about it. <laughs> once it's the, fine once the episodes come out you'll see what we're doing <laughs> if you are a patron you'll figure it out you'll figure it out it's a lot of fun patreon.com slash so we're having a great time there join us sign up new episodes every Friday let's get into some news we've got about 30 minutes to talk about all these stories and some good stories too right. and some weak ones that we're gonna have to sort of try to make some straw out of hay but you know this is what we do um Remember Ten Cloverfield Lane? How fun that movie was! Uh, yes and no. What was that? That was like twenty-two years ago. When that movie <laughs> I came mean, out. it feels like it. <laughs> right. Uh, I liked it. I haven't also. I don't think I've revisited since I saw it in the theater. I mean, it was fine for what it was at the time. Yeah. Uh, well, that director Dan Trachtenberg finally has his next project lined up. Lined up, and according to Deadline, that will apparently be Predator Five. Oh, trying again, are we? Trying again. Uh, I like. I appreciate this article is pointing out that this is the fifth Predator. I don't have to like do the math in my head no. and figure it out. Okay, we're on the fifth Predator movie. Good yes. to know. Uh-huh. Okay, all right. Yes. I mean, you know, discounting all the AVPs and that. Weird I believe bullshit. we are. I believe we are discounting those. Yes, yeah. Predator, Predator Two, Predators, the Predator. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a Fast and Furious style titling on these bullshits. <laughs> Too Fast, Three Furious. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god! At least the third one had Tokyo in the title. Okay, that's the one. It's in Tokyo. <laughs> and then we have Fast Five and Furious Six. Yeah, but then they went into <laughs> Fast Five. But then it was Furious Six in the movie. But then it's Fast Six in the marketing. I don't know. <laughs> god, they're. It's appropriate for what that series is, right? Yeah. The dumbness it, it of the really titles. Is. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You big idiots. You're a bunch of big <laughs> bald idiots. I mean, at this point in time, they're almost lampooning themselves. They are. They truly are. I mean, they're going to space. They're gonna. <laughs> It's a it's a parody of itself. 
and I'm here for it. <laughs> I mean, it's I watched for me. I watched Jason go to space. I I will watch Vin Diesel go to space. I watch I watched the Jason go to space. <laughs> I watched a leprechaun go to space. I'll watch a Vin Diesel in a Porsche go to space. So was what? he driving a Charger? I don't know. It doesn't matter because after that, I'm gonna watch Tom Cruise go to space. So yeah, for re- for real though. It's like this is how you actually do it, guys. <laughs> And at that point, we just kill ourselves because now we've reached the pinnacle of space entertainment. I mean, space entertainment. I mean, until they actually make moon on the moon. <laughs> there you go. Or make moon fall on the moon. Maybe that's what keeping Roland Emmerich from finally pulling the. <laughs> I must pull it out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> I will make my movies reality. My movies must be reality, but first, boy party. <laughs> boy party. Boy party. Boy party. He likes boy parties. Okay. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> Um, yeah, Predator 5, we'll see. We'll, we'll uh, I mean, see. okay, we'll sure. See. I don't know, I don't know. I, I, the only thing that would make me interested in it would be the director, whoever's making it. And, uh, I don't know, this guy could bring something new and interesting to it. Maybe he brings an understanding of the property I mean, that'll I think, elevate it. I think what they need to do is go back to the original premise. Okay. Where we're not following the Predator. The Predator isn't... The hero of the story. He's, the predator is the villain of the your, story. He's not your main character. He's yes. a monster. Yes, yeah. he's the villain. He mm. is the antagonist, sure. not the protagonist. Sure, sure. So we just need to write a good story with a protagonist mm. that just happens to have. And Predator One, some of the jungle. Predator Two, in a city. One of the AVPs try to put him in the suburbs. I think. I think Requiem, AVP Requiem. Mm. It's like, what, what? What if we had a predator in a Walmart? No. <laughs> uh, yes. What can we do? I don't know. Desert Predator. That sounds mm, dusty. No. I don't like dusty. Um, according to also Deadline, Deadpool 3, moving forward at Disney with new writers. Those writers being Wendy and Lizzie Moulin. It's French. Say that. Molyneux. Molyneux. M-O-L. Yeah. Molyneux. Molyneux. I don't know. It's close enough, right? Yeah. Um, they're sisters and they write for Bob's Burgers. Oh, okay. So, right. That's the right humor sensibility yes. I think to attack mm-hmm. a um, irreverent fourth wall breaking character like Deadpool yes agreed interesting that you know Deadpool is moving forward at Disney I mean the last two did make uh, 1.5 billion dollars combined I think on a combined budget of 60 million dollars 70 the two movies combined did not cost 100 million to make I'll no. tell you that and they obviously want to make a third one how are they going to handle the adult nature of Deadpool. I mean, not put the Disney logo on it. It's a Fox movie. <laughs> this is this is a Fox movie, guys. It's, it's a something. It is a it is a MCU adjacent. Yes. How do you? How, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they're going to pull this off. You know what they're going to do? They're going to make it PG thirteen, and it's going to suck. Yeah. Or maybe it won't. More than likely. Maybe it won't suck. Maybe it'll still be good. Uh, does he have to curse and uh, cut people up with the swords yes. for it to be Deadpool? Uh-huh. Well, then we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Who knows? Um, this story fascinated me. Brad Pitt has movie nights with David Fincher, and they sound intense. <laughs> I mean, yeah. All right. Imagine watching a movie with David Fincher. Uh, 
He can't because it's a, it's weird here. <laughs> Let me pull up uh, what he has here, what he says. And, oops, site cannot be reached because there is no internet. Oh. Um, well, as I switch over to data and let this pull up, basically, Dave Fincher, and he hangs out with people all the time to watch movies. He invites them over, and they pick stuff. All right, here we go. And this is Brad Pitt describing it. The funniest shit I've ever met. Really? He'll be muttering the whole time. That shot works. That's a bad handoff. Why would you go to insert the glove there? Stabilize. It's like watching a football game with Bill Belichick. <laughs> so he's basically just Monday morning quarterbacking the entire movie. The entire movie. Uh, this is Steven Soderbergh describing watching a movie with him. David had a laser pointer out, and he was circling this one section of a wall in the upper part of the frame saying, that's a quarter of a stop too bright. <laughs> I had to leave the room. I had to go outside and take some deep breaths because I thought, oh my God, to see like that all the time, everywhere, I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. That's no. Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. Even Soderbergh's it. like, this motherfucker. <laughs> like, this guy, well, there's something wrong with his eyes and his brain because he's seen things way too... I'd be so frightened to show David Fincher anything, a picture that I took. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> just don't. Yeah. Like, oh, no, I do no work, sir. Uh-huh. I'm, I am not an artist. No, no, I, I, I don't do anything. I'm a driver. You want me to drive you somewhere? I can do that. What, what, can, what can I do? Yeah, man, I can't imagine watching... Watching stuff must be a bit of a torture for him then, too. Just be yeah. like, this is so poorly made. And yeah. everyone else is like, it's fine. What are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, no, I would have done it this way, but you didn't but chill. But you didn't chill. Relax. You spent the last five years doing not making a movie. Well, fine. Uh, five days. Five days from record, we got a new David Fincher movie. Should be pretty special. I hope so. Um... In, in, in case this is your first time finding out, I'm sorry, but Alex Trebek has passed away. <laughs> and uh, they rolled out the game plan in, for the interim, which is, well, they're airing the final episodes that they have with him that now, I don't know if I could watch these episodes because it's weird yeah, watching. He's, yeah. He's uh-huh. a dead man walking. Yeah. Like, he is not getting better. Nope. <laughs> he's dead. In these episodes. He died. He has died now. And in this moment where he's like... Uh, Potent potables. Inside, he is rotting away and dying. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's the same thing with Chadwick Boseman's new movie. That's another thing. Where I'm <laughs> like, man, he was dying making this. I don't know. I don't, it's gonna be a hard watch. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, game plan moving forward. After these episodes air, they're gonna start doing guest hosts to get people used to the idea of Jeopardy without Alex Trebek. Mm-hmm. And the very first guest host that they've announced is. Ken Jennings. Of course. Who, yeah, it seems like an obvious choice for him as well. Uh, and I think that they put out, let's see. The show will air 10 of Trebek's best episodes, uh, December 1st to December 28th. The final week of episodes will air January 4th. And the first episodes with guest hosts start January 11th. Start with Ken Jennings. I think they actually mentioned, do they have a few of the other guest hosts lined up? No. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who else they roll out. Yeah. Who's willing to even do it? take a stab at yeah. it. Uh, I think LeVar Burton would be. That name was floated out there. Yeah. Because of the Reading Rainbow thing. I was about to say. You associate him yeah. with... Uh, Knowledge. <laughs> even if he's never read a book. Who cares? That'd be it weird. doesn't matter if he's Jordy LaFarge. I don't give a fuck. He just has to read the goddamn <laughs> card. He was in Roots, for crying out loud. He's American yeah. history. Yeah. Um, I mean, he sounds smart like Neil deGrasse Tyson, but not so condescending about it. That's true. That's true. When he speaks, I'm like, ah, oh, 
<laughs> I feel enlightened. And but, not and I haven't been talked down to. But, and I, but not like I'm a dummy. Um, for the proof that cancel culture is not real, as Fat Man rolls out there and people are checking out the Mel Gibson, mm-hmm. the Santa Claus movie, uh, there's a sci-fi action flick starring him and Frank Grillo, directed by Joe Carnahan, coming to Hulu, called Boss Level. And it also has Naomi Watts, Will Sasso. I wonder if it's going to be skinny Will Sasso or fat Will Sasso. Interesting. Um, Ken Jong, Michelle Yao. God damn, Michelle Yao is a fucking legend. Grillo plays former Special Forces agent Roy Pulver, who is trapped in a time loop that constantly repeats the day of his murder. So it's murder, Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. Pulver manages to uncover clues about a secret government project that could unlock the mystery behind his death. We must find Colonel Venter, Mel Gibson, the head of the government program, while outrunning assassins determined to keep him from the truth and also save his wife. <laughs> okay. Sounds awful. I'll watch it. Yeah, <laughs> fucking no, Gibson. I mean, Frank Grillo in sci-fi. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm fine with seeing, yeah, sci-fi action Frank Grillo. And then Joe Carnahan. I like some of his movies. Not, the, the Gray is good. I, I like Narc. I almost, I keep almost clicking on Skyline because of that. The the sequel, it's supposed to be better okay. than the original. Like, a lot better. I remember when that came out, people were like, holy shit, Skyline sequel? Good, question <laughs> mark. Um, and... I'm just like Frank Grillo sci-fi what yeah, yeah and he's in it too which is cool and then I think I don't think it came out yet but there's a third Skyline movie about to come out okay so there's a uh, there's a whole damn ass trilogy that they someone managed to f- fucking finish that's wild with my Punisher that's, yeah, with, yeah they threw Punisher in there thank god <laughs> no, the real Punisher my Punisher the good Punisher <laughs> the one we didn't get um, oh here's some good news for the new mutants okay uh, Digital services of Voodoo and Fandango revealed that New Mutants is the number one title on both services for the last week. Hey, good for them. So people are like, I gotta see what this is all about. Yeah. And they're checking it out. Exactly. I mean, people have been hearing just things on and off about this movie for like three years. And then all of a sudden, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can watch this movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it came out in theaters when no one was going to theaters. So people even probably know about that mm-hmm. shit. Yep. Um, Disney revealed that they will do another season of um, the gallery of uh, oh, making uh, of. Yeah. So they'll do one Fun. for season two of Good. Mandalorian. I mean, in all reality, uh, they should be doing that for anything that's made in that thing. Might as well. <laughs> right? <clears throat> Might as well. It's, it. all, it's, all, it's all fascinating. Let's do it. Just I want to watch. Do it cool, behind the scenes, documentary style, uh, just barely above level of EPK, and we're good to go. Um, this came out, this is interesting news. Remember when, uh, uh, a few weeks ago, Dave Chappelle did SNL and, yep. and his opening monologue, he talked about how, um, his shows are on other services and he's not getting paid for it. He contacted Netflix and I was like, this hurts my feelings. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. And Netflix said, we hear you. We see you. We're taking this shit down. And they took it off Netflix. And you, you want to know why? Because, I'm, I mean, Netflix has been holding his new specials since yeah. he's had new specials. Yeah, for last year. <laughs> when he's come back to, like, producing stuff for consumption, it's yeah. been with Netflix. Yeah. He has a working relationship with them, and uh-huh. they want to keep it. Exactly. So when he said, hey, you have this work of mine that I'm not getting paid for, yeah. that's fucked up. They were like, you know what? You're right. I'm sure they Our can. Bad. I, I'm sure... Pissing off Viacom a little bit is a lot better than pissing off Dave Chappelle a lot. Yeah, Dave Chappelle is going to bring them a lot more than uh, Viacom is going to be stealing from them over time anyway. Oh. Um, and it's on other services. Like, you can still watch it on HBO Max and stuff like that. So 
it's still out there. But it's off on Netflix, and that made Dave Chappelle happy, and uh, surely will help with the negotiations for their next round of uh, mm-hmm. contracts or what have you. Um, speaking of renewals and contracts and all that stuff, The Expanse Season 6 has been ordered by Amazon, the final season underway, meaning... If people were started, stopped it, hesitant about it because of the old, you know, because it got canceled and picked other, up and all yeah. that. It's now going to be a complete show. Uh, so a good time to pick it up and start getting in on it. Well, if I mean, you the, the I never watched season five, but I thought that was season. I, th- I thought season five starts soon. This uh, is, so, there's a new I, season of The Expanse starts in two weeks. Then that's five. I haven't watched. Seasons one, two, and three were sci-fi, so that does that mean season four was picked up by Amazon? Yeah, that's the one I have not watched. Okay, yeah, since it got moved over, I haven't watched it at all. Uh, but now I'm going to get on it. Yeah, because I mean, they're going to finish it. I mean, I've watched them all, so it's a fun I, show. At least it's going to finish. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. I mean, it's all right. It 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 scratches a good sci-fi itch. It has for what it is. It has its moments. Yeah, it does have peaks and valleys for sure, for sure. Yeah, it has its moments. We talked about this before. Yeah, it's like seventy yeah. percent of a good show. Exactly. Um, oh, man. Let's talk a little bit about movies being sold to streaming and mm-hmm. stuff like that, right? So uh, the way it's it's working these days is all these studios and producers and production houses, they've, they've already paid their millions of dollars to make a movie. And now it's sitting on a shelf, and they're losing money actively as it sits on the shelf and they don't put it out there in theaters. But there's no theaters for them really to put it out to. So what do they do? How do they recruit their money? They sell to streamers, right? And for example, who is it? Amazon? Amazon bought Coming to America for about $200 million, mm-hmm. I believe was the number. Yeah, something like that. Maybe it was 150 Uh Borat got sold for, I think, 150 to Amazon. So uh, it's essentially like, how can we make our money back? How can we break even? How can we break even or, or probably more make it a little bit of money because by foregoing theatrical and selling off the streamers, now they don't have to worry about um, cost of distribution, which is minimal due to yeah. digital services, um, but also marketing. Yeah. Marketing is no longer their fucking problem anymore. Mm-hmm. All that money they're going to spend, which would have doubled their overall budget, yeah. it's now back in their pocket. Um, MGM, they've been around since the beginning of movies. Obviously, different ownership, different corporate structures, et cetera, et cetera. But MGM has been around, and since the 60s, their crown jewel has been James Bond. Mm-hmm. No time to die. Delayed a whole ass year from mm-hmm. April to April, right? But there was reports that they were trying to sell it. And the price tag that no one would bite at was $600 million. And the big players for that would be Netflix, Apple, and Amazon. And they all passed. Too much money for mm-hmm. them. Considering they're buying everything else for 150 to 200 uh, Word has come out that that $600 million price tag was reported incorrectly. Mm-hmm. It was actually $800 million is what they wanted <laughs> Juice to cover. They wanted almost a cool billion for this fucking thing. I mean, they dumped a lot of money on Daniel Craig's lap. So. A ton of money in his lap. Uh, big issue with um, the, 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 the Coca-Cola and whoever, the, the tag, however, whoever does the watches for them and the, the Aston Martin, all of their marketing deals. It's such a huge money behemoth tied into this thing that they had to ask for almost a damn billion dollars to even consider selling it off. That's wild, wild shit. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And that's why 
It ain't going to no streaming service nope. because they're not going to settle for less. Mm-mm. They would rather just lose money monthly and wait for theaters to open up. Hopefully next summer-ish if all this vaccine stuff works out okay. Um, meanwhile, now is this because of bad testing or, or is the studio scared? Is it because of the market? <clears throat> but Warner Brothers, with Legendary Pictures, they co-produced King Kong vs. Godzilla. Is it, did I get it right? Kong vs. King... Godzilla vs. King Kong. I'm always going to get those mixed up no matter what. Uh, not official, but rumor is Netflix has offered $200 million to take it off of Warner Brothers' hands and put it on their streaming service. Warner Brothers has said, quote, we plan to release Godzilla vs. Kong theatrically next year as scheduled, end quote. Okay. This is the same company that is about to put Wonder Woman 84 on HBO Max. Yeah. So, if anything... I bet you they don't bite on the Netflix offer, but they do a day and date, put it out in theaters, and then just plop it on HBO Max same day because it's Warner. It's no. all Warner. It's all tied together. So why wouldn't they do that? And then uh, help out their their subscription numbers, right? This would be something I would like to see in a theater, obviously. I mean, yeah. Giant, giant monsters. Giant monsters. Giant screens. Big old kaiju yeah. battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what if it sucks? Just I like, mean, it has the potential. I mean, the last Godzilla movie was bad, the last two, bad. I mean, yeah, the last Godzilla movies were not good. I mean, Kong Skull Island was great, but oh. that's just because it was so unlike <clears throat> everything else. Yeah, that was that was a hell of a lot of fun. And it is Congress Godzilla is from the director of The Guest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he also directed uh, some other movies. Aren't mm-hmm. as good, so. Was The Guest a fluke? <laughs> Maybe. Could be. Oh, I don't want to think that. Oh, uh, anyway. That's eventual. Um, once <clears throat> the country opens up again, especially Los Angeles opens up again, I would like to head out there to check out the um, Academy's Museum. Mm, They're opening yes. up the world's mm-hmm. largest movie museum out there, and they got an original Bruce the Shark from the original Jaws production, and they restored it, and they hung that thing up, and it looks cool as shit. Sounds good to me. Yeah, it sounds cool, man. Let's go. Uh, I think this still... Won't open until April. So I think for now, still the world's largest movie museum is the Museum of the Moving Image. Which we went to. Yeah, which we went to, which was awesome. Yeah, that was... Man, yeah, I'm one of the best museums I've been to. That was a lot of fun. Four stories of cool-ass shit. And that Jim Henson... Um, yeah, the Jim Henson show. Learned a lot about all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, any, any listeners in New York, if you haven't gone yet, you gotta go. Highly recommend it. I mean... Are they even open now? I don't know what the situation is with the... I don't know. Yeah, oh boy. Maybe they drag all the... Is, uh, is New York even alive? Yeah. Or are, we, or are we in... Have we gone to Children of Men yet? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guys, have we gone to Children of Men? Uh, if so, remember, the last one to die, please turn out the light. Yes, we're not really getting news down here in Florida. <laughs> our, our, our governor's in hiding. People are going about their business like nothing's, nothing's normal. Yeah. It's scary. Uh, let's see. Where are we at? We got, oh, we got plenty of time. Only a handful of stories left. Batwoman TV show, mm-hmm. uh, CW show. They had that one season with Ruby Rose, yep. and then she left because she was like, "This is hard" or mm-hmm. something. She didn't like doing it anymore. So instead of recasting the character, they just got rid of the character and they're bringing a new woman to play, like a new character to play, to be Batwoman and a new actress. So the actress is Javicia, Javicia, sorry, Javicia Leslie, and she put out a video of her doing. Uh, like she's in an alley, and it looks like the type of stunt where, because obviously she's Batwoman, right? And she's pointing up in the air, so it's probably the old 
the the, 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 the grappling hook. Yeah, it's a grappling hook. Shooting the grappling hook and then pulls her up. So she just put out a video of her like like getting yoinked up into the air yep. by a wire. Uh, and it looks awesome. Yeah, it does. It looks like a lot of fun. And I really like that you also have a picture in this article, a promotional image. And I like how this is funny. Well, it's interesting. Her hair has like red highlights in it. That matches the red of the Batwoman logo. Oh yeah, in the back. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty stylish. Yeah. But I also like how uh, like the whole point of the cowl and the cape and all that was to be a disguise. But she just has her like huge, awesome head of hair out there. That's super notable. So un- unless maybe uh, when she's in her like alter ego secret, uh, you know, whatever the character's name is, uh, Scarlet Knight Ryan. Wow, wow she has four names. Scarlet Knight Ryan Wilder. <laughs> okay. Uh, when she's Scarlet, uh, maybe she has her hair up or something, yeah. or, you know, she's a, and then she only lets it out, like, fully and be natural when she's Batwoman. I mean, dude, people in comic universes are easily fooled by a pair of glasses and a curl the other direction. That's so That's I don't true. think they're going to pick up on it. Uh, not Lois Lane in the, <laughs> in the alternate cut of Superman 2. She just... She just... Drew a picture of glasses on <laughs> Superman and looked at Clark Kent and was like, motherfucker. And then they cut that out of the movie. Uh, that was awesome. The patreon.com slash custody. So coming up soon. Andy Samberg has some thoughts on the, um, the, we talked about this a few months ago. The Academy put out new diversity requirements for if you want your movie to be considered for the awards, for the Academy Awards. You need to do this, this, and this. Yeah, you got to fit these like very loose requirements that you probably, you without even trying, you already meet these things anyway, right? Uh, I don't even know how this comes up here, but according to Variety, uh, Sandberg has some ideas on uh, about the guidelines. Okay. Not even ideas, just his thoughts on them. The Oscars thing, people having issues with that are insane. The parameters, if you look at them, you can have the whitest cast in the history of cinema and still very easily meet them by just doing a few key roles behind the camera. People that have problems with it can fuck off. He's pointing out how it's so performative. Like People get really pissed off about it. This forced, forced diversity, and it's like so... Barely nothing. Lax. It's so incredibly lax. And, oh, man. Well, what about movies like The Irishman? What's uh, that? could never be. Like, oh, you just hired two black people on the set. You're good. Oh, You're my fine. Go- oh, <laughs> my God. Oh, my God. People are acting like, what, now every role is be played by Denzel Washington? What's going on? I mean, no, but that would be interesting. That would be actually. Yeah. Why can't he do a clumps? Yeah. Clumps three. Clumps four. How many clumps did he do? Right? <laughs> Sorry, Denzel Washington. I said, Twilight Reborn, starring Denzel. <laughs> <laughs> he plays all the roles. I'm into it. Uh, oh, we mentioned him earlier. Werner Herzog mm. uh, calls Bad Lieutenant, colon, Port of Call, New Orleans, one of his essential films. Duh. Uh, he says specifically, I have such wonderful memories of making the film and Nicolas Cage, what a phenomenal actor he is. And he called it one of his essential films. And also says that, no, this is funny. There was a conspiracy between the two of us. Talking about Nick Cage. Uh He said, I'm not going to sign my contract unless Werner Herzog is on board. And I said, I'm not going to sign my contract unless (laughs) Nicholas is on board. So they were both like, I won't sign. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, let's sign. Unless the other guy doesn't. (laughs) So they they held out for each other. 
but it's so sweet. That's so nice. And then he goes on to say that if he has another story that would fit for Nick Cage, he would love to work with him again. Yeah. And that he thinks that uh, Nick Cage would like to work with him again. So. Yeah, I hope so. So we're slowly opening it. But, Earth, you know, Bad Lieutenant's a lot of fun. Definitely one of his better movies. He, I enjoy his documentaries more than his uh, it, his feature stuff, yeah. his narrative stuff. Mm-hmm. Rescue Dawn was pretty good, but that's also like a narrative remake of one of his own documentaries. So that's a little, little Inception-y Werner. Uh, okay, that a- Animaniac store that I teased mm-hmm. real quick. There were a couple of things happened. First off, this whole thing with... Um, um, a Johnny Depp joke that people uh, took the wrong way. Okay. Because the show was done in 2018, mm-hmm. and apparently there was a meme at that time that was popular. That bad idea to write jokes about memes mm-hmm. or based on memes. There was a meme at the time based on a poem called Johnny Johnny Little Liar. Johnny Johnny tells a lie. So it's something about Johnny telling lies. Mm-hmm. So and it's like a baby poem. And there is a, a moment in one of the seasons where they're standing in front of a Johnny Depp poster and it says like Johnny Lies 2 or it's like a sequel to yeah. the meme starring Johnny Depp. Um, this was written in 2018. The show came out now right after Johnny Depp lost his libel case. Oh. So people are like, how dare you? He's, <laughs> he's been abused by Amber Heard. Like all the people that are still Johnny Depp yeah. stands like, uh, were like boycott Animaniacs, boycott Hulu. Like so, Fuck so that. mad. And they were like, yo, you don't, you don't even understand. That's not what the joke is. The no. joke's about this dumb meme. It's stupid. Guys, relax. You all need to relax. That's one thing. That and besides, happens. guys, it's a joke. It's a, and it's also a joke. Relax. We're not making fun of uh, domestic abuse. Relax. Yeah, it's animatic. So you don't go there. What's wrong with them? <laughs> so uh, second thing. This is more of a oops. Oops, we forgot to check. O- uh, oops, all sex lines. Mm-hmm. The um, There's a moment in one of the Peaking the Brain skits where they have him like he's selling a product and all of a sudden it's like he's standing, it's brain and it's surrounded by blue and it has like a fake address and a fake phone number. And the phone number is 1-800-555-9999. Mm-hmm. It's a 555 number. Yeah. Fake as fuck. No. <laughs> sex line. Oh. Apparently, sex lines still exist. And they're using the fake 555 for movies now. now they're using 555 numbers. Uh, I guess it doesn't apply to 800 numbers. Uh, So, (laughs) Hulu did something weird where they freaked out. Um, So, they, this is episode six. They, I think, they pulled down the episode temporarily. They put it back up. uh, Change the number? uh, No. First, they put it back up with all the text removed. So, now it's just a brain sitting surrounded by blue. So, it's not even an ad anymore. Took it down. Put it back up. Change number. Yeah, so now there's like three versions of the scene weird. floating out there. Is that a weird thing for it a oh, fuck? Faking fuck? Fake number? A sex line? What is that? 555. That's even like wet or it's not even an acronym or nothing. 555. What are the, what are the three letters on the five button? I don't know. We're going to figure out what this acronym is. Is it 1-800? Fives, JK, and L. JKL. J- Joker. JK. Liquor. See, it doesn't even work. A bunch of nines. What that's, a, that, that, that's W. Basically, it's JKL WXYZ. What a lazy ass sex line. That's seriously like you run out of sex lines. That's a lazy. I mean, come on, guys. Six nine six nine. The fuck, guys. Come on. You know how expensive six nine six nine is. Yeah, I'm sure, pretty expensive. I mean, I looked into it. It's pretty expensive. Uh, and final story. Uh. It's probably going to be bad, but ah, I still want to check it out. Coming to NBC sometime next year is Young Rock. You hear about this? I 
The only reason I know about it is because uh, I, I followed The Rock on Instagram, mm-hmm. and he showed the float from the Macy's Parade of yes. Young Rock, and I was like, what? What? What sort of weird Inception world do I live in? Yes. Um, that, that float works. That that damn float worked for NBC to get the word out there on this fucking show, because mm-hmm. yeah, that made the news, and I was like, what the hell is Young Rock? And, yeah. then, and then it did some more posts. Young Rock is a story of him as a kid growing up and being in a wrestling family. And he put on Instagram a few pictures from the show of like this one dude who's playing Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. So he found some big old dude yep. getting crazier. Another guy's playing. This one is uh, where the other two? The Iron Sheik. Oh, yep. Talking to young a young Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. Like how would that be? Ten year old Dwayne Johnson, probably roughly. And then the final one. Uh, junkyard dog hanging out in, yeah. in the Rocky Maivia household. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is coming to NBC, Young Rock, next year. And just being a wrestling fan, I'm going to probably check it out. February 2021 is when it's slated for. And it's probably going to be not very good. I mean, it's going to be a Rock-produced family show. Most of his family stuff doesn't really work. But then again, it's been a decade since he's done any of that family stuff. So. Yeah, and it's also uh, uh, not sitcom, but TV, yeah. you know. Maybe maybe that's a straight up sitcom. Who knows? We'll see. I mean, are there situations? Is it comedic? Situational comedy. Oh my god! So we'll see. February twenty twenty one. Young Rock coming to NBC. This episode brought to you by Fox. <laughs> and that's it. We're done with the stories. So, Drusa uh, Cogburn, thank you. You're welcome, Chris. And you are welcome, listeners, for this week's show. We'll be back next week with 4.13. Uh, and uh, go to Patreon and sign up there to check out Sequel Sember and also our final installment of the 12 Months of Sigology, which is... Uh, oh, in a few weeks. Oh, shit. Yeah. Gotta take care of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, kill your masters and take care. Bye-bye. A PFT Media Production.